As for me, when the, when the request came out to me over a month and a half ago, we was in the car. We were riding, taking one of my, um, the, one of the young men that was in the on car with us home. Pastor Tim call. So they're like, so I'm thinking, okay, just Pastor Tim call. Okay, what does Pastor Tim, Tim wants? He, he, he starts talking. He says, um, hey, Tony, he say, um, I'm going to be out of town September 15th, and I just want to know if you'd be interested in um, giving a word. So me and, and my, my thinking, I'm thinking about, I said, well, oh, over in Sunday school? Oh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. So uh, he said, no, no, no. He said, um, giving a sermon for the 15th. And I remember when uh, he posed that question to, to me, when my wife was asked the same thing. And one thing I said to her, which I never forget, I said, <clears throat> you always have to be ready when God calls. So when he asked that, that's the first thing that came to my mind. You too gotta, gotta, gotta be ready. <laughs> because we pray and ask God to do things for us and we don't, don't know how God is gonna move. So we got to always be ready and prepared so when he do move or whatever, Accept the call. It will be rewarded to us. Amen. Now, today, I'm going to be talking about the pursuit of greatness or excellence. We've been talking. We've been on this journey, the open door, which is what's been called the open door way of pursuing and the level of excellence in everything that we do. And this, is, this does not fall short of that. In the pursuit of excellence, can I, I just want to talk to you all. Excellence or the pursuit of excellence is something that we strive for. Excellence is something that we reach for, that once again, we put our, all our efforts in. We put in even our resources and to get what we desire. We do things and we don't let anything get in, get in front of or stop us from, from gaining what we want or what we desire. Amen. Whether it's on our job, whether it's a position, whether it's something that's temporal, like a vehicle or a home. We save our money. We know what we have our hearts on. And we, des and we desire to, to get whatever we, um, we, we uh, want. And we don't let nothing or no one stop us. Amen. My question is this. Why don't we do the same thing when it comes to God? Amen. My question is, why don't we take that same initiative when God has done so much for us? Amen. And all God has asked us to do something not so great in our eyes, but just something small in his eyes, which is great in his kingdom. The one thing that keeps us from doing a lot of things for God is fear. And fear is, is something that holds many of us bound, myself included. I'm not up here by my own. Something that we have to strive for to get, to, um, get over. And that fear is something that I deal with on a regular basis, especially when it comes to the things of God. And doing, doing this here, this is not my comfort zone at all but I thank God for the opportunity because if this is what God has, has called me to do I will accept that call 
and, I'm, and, I, and I choose to be obedient to God. Now, in the pursuit of excellence or greatness, I want to be, um, again, in Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, the, um, I, want, I got a question for all of us. How many of us are servants of God or who are a servant to God? Because everyone is not a servant, and I understand that, and I'll clarify that later. Everybody is not a servant to God. Amen. Nehemiah says, now first let me get the back up on Nehemiah and where this passage come, comes from. There was, Nehemiah was in a land to where the people had, they were, they, they've been exiled. They come back into this land, and I'm just giving you like a small overview. Nehemiah got word from a brother and a few men about the condition of God's people. And the report wasn't good. The people wasn't doing so well. So Nehemiah, that disturbed him. So Nehemiah prayed to God. He prayed to God and asked God to remember what he told his servant Moses. That if we, God's people, obey him, what he will do. But if we disobey him, what God intends to do also. So with this being said, Nehemiah 1.10 says, Now that they are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. God's people, each and every one of us who has been redeemed by God, is a servant of God. We are his servants. And with being a servant of God, there comes job requirements. We have a duty as a servant to do the things and do the will of God. We don't have a choice in that. Once you accept God as your Lord and as your Savior, you move from one realm to another realm. But in that moving comes requirements also. It's not just that when you get here, you get to sit down, relax, you, you watch ESPN, you watch, your, you, you watch your stories, you sleep all day long, do, it, do what you want. No, that comes with requirements. We have an obligation, just like when you, when you go on a job. You don't go on a job, get caught sleeping on your job. Many people, we, we take this, uh, and I'm not saying this to offend anyone, but we, we um, take God lightly. We take God for granted in a lot of things that we do. We do things out of our own comfort. And we think that God is going to accept that as though it's acceptable. Not knowing that one day we're going to stand and give an account for what we did. Don't be a servant that's, that has done nothing for God. We come every, day, every Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year. We sit back, we observe, we see things. We know certain areas where there's help that is needed. How many times has that call has went out? Several times. How many answered that call? Very few. But with that being said, also with leaders, when a call is answered and someone responds to a call, don't tell them or don't give the impression that their help is not needed. Yeah. 
because that can deter someone from doing or to pursue, you know, what they feel like, well, this is where young God wants me at, but when I came to this person, you know, it's almost like they rejected me. So even for leaders, because we are not called, we are not to lord over any position. That's, that's, that's God's ministry. We're just overseers of it. So when people come, maybe God's sitting them for a reason. We don't know what's going to happen to us. We, we don't know what tomorrow holds. People need to be put in place to continue the ministry of God, not our ministry. Now, I want to go a little further. I want to go to Matthew's to the um, next clip. Matthew's 20, 25 through uh, 28. Now, this is the part <laughs> where the disciples, they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Everybody want to be great, right? Everybody want to be held at a high standard. Everybody want to reach this point of excellence or which, what's, what's called greatness. Matthew 25, 20, 25 through 28, it reads, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it would be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must, be, must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. <laughs> We're all very familiar with the beginning of that passage. We know the rulers in this world lorded over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. We see it every, every day, don't we? Yeah. On our jobs, in, our, in, the, in, the, in the streets, and almost any place that you go, you see the same thing happens. How people take their authority and basically they'll abuse it. <laughs> Brother Ernest, I'm going to use you as an example. Just for, just for the sake of, of, of an example, I'm going to do give an uh, a illustration of how they lower over and how they flaunt their um, authority over people. You know. Brother Ernest, I need you, no, you need to do X, Y, Z. And you got 20 minutes to have, uh, have it done. Now, I just gave an order. Now, not taking in, in consideration his condition, not taking into consideration, I mean, even, even with, with, without having no love for him at, at all, just to express or to flaunt my authority over him and just, just to, oh, well, well you, do you all know what, man? You under me. You do as I say, not as I do. And, but there's many times that we, but even us, you know what, and even in our own homes, we can have that same attitude because we have, we have, um, a lot of us in homes where we exert those type of attitudes. But you got children that's home also, and they see these things, and those things aren't good. What are you teaching these children? You're teaching these children that way, well, is that the way that I'm supposed to do this? Well, my mom did it, or my dad did it, so I don't see nothing wrong with it. Why can't I do it? And to go further, he says, but among you, it would be different. We all know that different doesn't mean wrong. Yeah. 
It's, it's nothing wrong with being different. Just to give you an illustration about being different. How many of us have heard the phrase that there's many ways to skin, skin a cat? There, there's also, it, it, but it's, it's nothing wrong with, with that either. It also could be different. There are many ways, many, many, uh, many ways to ride a bicycle. Amen. You got some that ride a bike, what they call the normal way. You go on the bike and ride it the, 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 the normal. Then you have those, they can get on the bike and, and ride a bike backwards. They can ride it backwards. To them, you may call it different, but to them, that's normal. You got somebody that can even ride a bicycle on one wheel. What they call what? Catwalk? You know what I'm saying? They can, they can ride on one wheel and ride that bike good on one wheel. Weave in and out of traffic on that one wheel. As a matter of fact, I see a young man <laughs> when I'm on my route going down Mill Hopper Road. <laughs> this little guy, he be on this bike. I don't know how far he, he, he goes, where he come from. He on this bike, one wheel. He just riding. Cars come, he's, he get out of the way, keep on riding, get on back, 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 go out of the way, keep on. I'm like, man, what is this, this, this dude doing? But I didn't, but I never criticized him because I said, um, I said, well, that's kind of neat, you know what I'm saying, that he, can, he can, that he can do that and he has control of that bicycle. So what may be, what may be different doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It can be different, but you, but, you, but you all head to the same place. Somebody may do something different than the way you do it. Doesn't mean that it's wrong. That may be your, you may have your, the way that, that, you, that you want it done, the way that, that, you, that you deem is, well, this is how I like it. And we do that a lot. This is how we like it, so you're going to do it my way. So, but wait a minute, but everybody is not the same. What works for you, may not work for them. And we are all part of the body of Christ. And your way is not the only way. There are many ways to achieve the same goal or, and to reach the um, same finish line. Amen. This, everything that God does, everything that Jesus did, by no means was rooted in love. Everything he did. So we likewise must have the same attitude in whatever we do, whoever we deal with, whatever we're, we're um, dealing with, we must, do, we, we must do it in love. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But that's we are required to. If we're going to be a servant of God, we are to. Isn't God our example? Isn't Jesus our example? Don't we strive to be like him? He just told us what it takes basically to be great. To be great in God's kingdom is to be the least in this world. How do this world perceive servants? At the bottom. They see them as less than. But in God's kingdom, Jesus said for, in order for you, for you to be great, you, you, you must be a servant. We perceive also servants as being less than. I'm not doing that. That's, that's beneath me. Oh, you know, that's for peasants. What does God, what does God, but what, to God, what, does God, what does Jesus say? 
Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. How many want to be leaders? No hands. Like, exactly. <laughs> no, nobody wants to be a leader. But when you see what it requires, but it's not saying that somebody is supposed to run over you. That's not what he's saying. It's not saying that's when it's supposed to use you. That's not what he, that's not what he means. What, this, this, is, this is attitude. This is the attitude of a leader or even a servant, period, of um, God's people. We ought to have an attitude of love. We see something that needs to be done. We don't wait to be asked for it or asked to do it. We take initiative and we do it. Many times we do. Many times when we do do these things, we get the feeling that, oh, they're taking advantage of me. They seen that trash down there. Why they ain't pick it up? This, but instead of complaining, just do it. I'm telling you, it would, hey, it would, it would, it would, it would, it would go much further than it will. Than it because you can, there's, we can come up with countless things that, that we can always find an excuse not not to do nothing. Really, that, that's what a lot of us want to do, nothing. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being, I'm just trying to be, be honest with you all. We got to show love, and we got to do it in every way possible. We, sh- we're, we're striving to um, meet a goal. We're striving to be great in God's kingdom. There's no better way. God has given us, He's given us the blueprint of of how to reach that goal. It's not impossible. We can do it as one body. Not by ourselves. We need the help of each other. Amen. Matthew 25. (laughs) Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on on a long trip. This passage here is by, he just mentioned about a man going on a long trip. And he gave some possessions to three servants and what they did with the possessions determines on the reward that you get again the kingdom of, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip this is how God said that the kingdom can be illustrated he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone he gave five back to silver to one two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in its proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant, who, the servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long while, after a long time, the master returned from his trip. He must have been going for a while. And he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. Remember, we too are going to give an account. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. 
I'm giving you the, the whole story because for some of you that may be uh, not aware of the story, I'm giving you so you can under, understand and follow me as I'm going, going through. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So I now will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forth and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned you two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Who want to hear those words? <laughs> you have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Notice, the, hold on, I'm, going, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you was a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was so, I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in, in the earth. Look here, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. <laughs> well, why, why did I say that? Each of us, born again, children of God, are imparted with a gift from God, a gift that we are required to use. God wants an investment or, or a return on his investment. Like he said, this, is the, this can be illustrated like the kingdom of God. When we're born again, you receive two gifts. First gift is the gift of, of Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit. Your second gift is your spiritual gift. Your gift that is, that is needed to do God's work. We all have them. The three servants, the one with the um, ten bags, five bags, and one bag. There are each of us in here, just like the three servants. Some are ten, some are five, some are, some are one. But what are you doing with it? What are you doing with the spiritual gift that God has given you? Because one day you're going to give an account for it. Now, even to the, to the servant with the um, one bag, and God just said, just, just an illustration with, um, with um, God. You mean tell me that you couldn't even witness to, witness to one person about me? Out of all the people that you come across, not one? That's kind of strange, isn't it? But I say that to um, say this. We're going to give an account one, one day. We need not to take lightly of um, the gifts that God has, has um, given us. We know that there is help everywhere. There are people that need to be saved. There are souls that are at stake. We sit, we observe, and we leave out and do nothing. How much longer can we do that? We don't know how much time we have. We can't sit on that and think and believe that, well, I got tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Why put off 
today. <laughs> Amen. Why you put off today? What, what, why you put off for what, for what you can do today to tomorrow? Tomorrow is not promised to us. Even the, even the body, even the church body is in need of help. Once again, we've heard the call. We, we've heard the cry from many different places, many different ministries. We need not to just sit on them. There are things, and you know what? And just to give you, for those that don't know what your gift is, you got to get involved. You won't find your gift by sitting doing nothing. You got to get involved, and you will eventually find your gift, where you want to be placed at, where you, where you could be the most help and the most needed at. Because just in the church alone, there are certain gifts in this church right now that is needed. And how many of us are using them? Just the gifts that he's given to the, to the um, churches. Now, you got some. First, they say they gave apostles, prophets, teachers, those who can do miracles. Some of y'all can do miracles. Others who have the gift of healing. There's people with the gift of healing in the church. Those who can just help others. And those who have the gift of leadership. And those of us who can speak unknown languages. We are here. And we are needed. Don't sit back. Don't wait and just, well, I'll wait till somebody else do it. No, you do it. If you see it needs to, if it needs to be done, you do it. You take initiative. And I want to go back right quick because I'm not going to be before you long at all. I just came to just. I just, just to speak to you, just to, just to give you all what God has given me, and I won't, I will not be be uh, be be on for you all alone. To this parable. Twenty five, I'm gonna read some commentary, pertaining to this parable, to this scripture. This parable describes the consequences of two attitudes towards Christ's, Christ's return. The person who diligently prepares for it by investing his or her time and talents to serve God will be rewarded. The person who has no heart for the work of the kingdom will be punished. God rewards faithfulness. Those who bear no fruit for God's kingdom cannot expect to be treated as those who are faithful. If we want to get anything from God, we have to put in work. Faith, we can have all the faith we want. Without works, it's dead. We can have faith since we love to use sports. I'm going to just use sports as an illustration. A person can have all the faith in the world. Now, he's a, a player on this team. Now, he has a certain position on his team. Now, he's sitting on the bench. The team is out there playing. They need him. They call for him. 
His response, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, man, I got great faith. We're going to win this game. We're going to win this game? Yes. How we gonna, but you're, you're needed on the field. Oh, no, man, I just pray unto the Lord, man. The, the Lord will provide. He provided you. But you're sitting here. You're sitting here, hey, while your teammates are they're struggling. They need your help. You have all the faith that you want to, again. But if you take no initiative, if you don't put it to work, it is pointless. It is pointless. Again, we can come up with all type of reasons why we don't do what we should do or, or do what we see needs to be done. Don't be a person. Don't be a servant of God that has, that has not took the initiative. We don't know when God is going to become, when Jesus is going to return. Don't be a person that has taken and put forth no work, no effort, and expect for a, a reward from God. Like it says, we will be punished for those who, uh, who um, do no work for God. God reward the, faith, the faithful, those that, that are faithful and fa true to his word, believe in him. They take initiative. They do what needs to be done. Amen. They see and, and, and help our others. We have a love for um, our brothers and sisters. No matter what, young, old, you know, good health, not good, not good health. We all need love. We all need love. The reason why I say this, next slide. Not that one. I tell you what, no, that's not going to, we're not going to, hey, <laughs> amen. Yeah. I'm going to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Now, I chose this scripture also because of the final message in this, in this passage. It says that, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through on 20. All right. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? And was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Now what this would be referring to. This was in the context. It was talking about um, some of the stuff that some of us. I won't say not in here. We don't do this. But this, is, this was in the context of. This was in the context of. This was in the context of. Sexual immorality. And by how your body doesn't belong, to you, doesn't belong to you. We've been bought with a price. This body does not belong to us. We're going to give an account for, for what we do in this body. Why do we take it lightly? Why do we take it for, for, for granted? We need not to be quiet. We need not to just be subtle. We, a lot of times we can get so focused on our own lives 
and doing our own thing till we don't have time for God. We run to God when things get bad. Just like the people, just like the children in the Old Testament, the Israelites. How often and how many times did they depart from God? God told them A, B, C, they do X, Y, Z. But when things happen, they run back, back, back to God. We've seen the same thing here in America. 9-11. You couldn't, you couldn't fit an ant in the church. Amen. Churches all over the world was packed out. They were packed out. Why? Because of fear. And it's sad that it takes fear to get, to get somebody in the house of the Lord. But notice, once that fear dwindled, the people did the same thing. They go back to what they normally do. We're going on with our business. We want God to be there when we need him. We don't be there when God needs us. Lord, we ain't got time for that. No, that's your work, Lord. I'm doing my own thing. You just be there when I need you. That's the attitude that we have. We may not be conscious that, of that, but that's literally what we're telling God. You know what? And I'm almost finished. I'm almost finished. Amen. Next slide, please. Daniel 7. <laughs> now, this is the Amplified, in the, the Amplified version of the Bible. And to him, the Messiah, was given dominion, supreme authority, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and speakers of every language should serve and worship him. Did we just sing the song? What song was that that we just sang? Amen. People from every nation speak every language shall serve God. All of God's people shall serve him. We have a duty. We have an obligation. Because when, when um, God comes back, he's not coming to be your friend. He's not coming to high five you. He's coming back to call the departure. There are those that are going, those that are staying. Do you want to be on this ship that's going this way or a ship that's going this way? But you will be on a ship. We will. Don't, don't sit back. Don't sit back and let, and let life just pass away. And you have nothing to offer God. Don't let excuses make you useless. God loves you. God loves each and every one of us. Every day we wake up is a blessed day. It's another day for us to seek God. We need to spend time with God. We got time for everything except God. Everything becomes priority. But God, we give God the leftovers. But we want God's best. Why do we do that? We need to examine ourselves. God has something great for each and every one of us. 
we have to show God we love him. And Jesus told us that by keeping his commands. Amen. He didn't get anything hard to do. He didn't say it was going to be easy. But we put for we strive for We strive for it to be excellent. We strive for greatness. We look to God for our needs, for everything. So when did, don't, you, don't you think it's fair for to give, to give God a little bit of our time? Out of 24 hours a day, how much time do we give God? We got everything else that's before us. We got TV shows that we got to catch. <laughs> Nothing's going to come between that. We don't. We got certain we got things in our lives that we got places that we want to go. We're, we're, we're part of these committees. Nothing wrong with that. We are consumed by a lot of things that though they may mean well, they may have good purpose or have, you know, something good that come from them, but how much time do we do that for God? God has been God has been good to each and every one of us. And I say that because every day we arise, we are here for a reason. Amen. They sung the song earlier. I was just up here just thinking about when <clears throat> the song that's changing, I cannot call the uh, name of the song. It just slipped slipped my mind. But the purpose of it was the purpose of of of, of uh, was I'm 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 looking at how many of us are here because of somebody prayed for us. Amen. We are here not because of our own. Somebody maybe it's a mom, aunt, uncle, grandmama, granddaddy, someone that you probably didn't even know that has stored up prayers for you, which is the reason why you why you are are here. We could have been gone. Been gone and on the road to damnation. But because someone thought of us, someone loved us, they took the time and prayed for us. And when God, who answered their prayers, looked down and when God sees, and this the thanks I get. I honor these prayers, but I get scraps in return. That shouldn't be. We shouldn't put God on the back burner. We are to serve God. We are God's servants. That's all we are. Nothing more, nothing, nothing less. We put, most, we put more time and more energy and more resources in chasing things of this world. We don't need no, no guidebook for that. We, we do that automatically. We don't need nobody to teach us how to go get anything in this world. Nothing. We don't even go in debt to get it. But we want it, and we won't let nothing, nothing stop us. Why don't we do the same thing for God? The one that gives you life. The one that has wakened you this morning. Is the one that we put on the back burner. God. I just pray, Father, that you just help us. Strengthen us, Father God, where we are weak. 
May your love, Lord, endure forever. May you have mercy on your people. And with that being said, my message is finished. I'm done. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's pray. <laughs> Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again, Father God, for what you are doing, Lord, in this place at this time. I pray, Lord, that I have done, Father God, what you've asked me to do. Lord, for whomever, Lord, you have this word, Father God, to minister to. Lord, I pray, Lord, for an encouragement, Father God, of each and every one of us, Father God, to serve you, Lord, in a more deeper capacity.